Fantasy-animation.org is a website with a difference. It is not-for-profit and it's run entirely by academics and professional animators. And this means that whether you are reading our latest blog or accessing our latest podcast, thanks for downloading by the way, you can be sure that you are getting the most up-to-date and informed commentary on the colliding worlds of fantasy storytelling and the medium of animation. Whether you are a budding animator yourself, a student of fantasy or animation, or just someone who wants to learn more about the history and theory behind these overlapping media, mediums and genres, why not find out more at fantasy-animation.org or subscribe to our various social media threads on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at Reddit, at fananimresearch, F-A-N-A-N-I-M, research. While you're at it, subscribe to the podcast, give us a star rating and better yet, a quick written review as well. It all helps to make the visibility of our project even stronger and attract more like-minded people like yourself to our growing network of fans. For now, do enjoy the show. Hi listeners and welcome to the latest episode of the Fantasy Animation Podcast with me, Chris Holliday. And me, Alex Sargent. So we're back with anime, we're back with Studio Ghibli. So Studio, we've done a couple of films already with a variety of different different guests um, from a variety of different perspectives. This week, we're, for this episode, we're looking at Spirited Away. So Miyazaki, Hi Miyazaki's 2001 fantasy um, that sort of engages a lot with, uh, I wrote down my note, in my notes, gluttony, cleanliness, sentience. Anthropomorphism, you know, obviously I'm always talking about anthropomorphism. As and you know. giant babies. And giant babies, uh, <laughs> babies, uh, animals doing things human-like, transformation, metamorphosis. Um, and yeah, so Spiritual Away, I feel like, is one of Ghibli's, if not Ghibli's, sort of flagship movies. Oh, it's the, it's the, it, perhaps it's surprising that it's taken us so long to do it. So is that's it, where is, I'm coming. Is it Miyazaki's magnum opus? There's a question to sort our, of... Uh, our, our, our guest to be announced is nodding. It's nodding is vigorously, nodding. so yes. Um, so we'll talk about that. So yeah, I've got a few notes on kind of family and, yeah. and um, I suppose uh, f- femininity in relation to, to issues of transformation and so forth. Alex, yeah. is, the, is this a fantasy at all? Or? Yep. Yeah, we're fine. We're fine this week. Don't okay. have to justify that. I'm very interested to talk about the various kind of melting pot of influences in this movie, from folklore to to Western kind of fantasy literature. There's there's plenty to unpack. So, yes, uh, let's do it. Yes. Um, so we're delighted. I, I sort of teased her presence earlier on. We're delighted to welcome to the podcast um, Susan Napier, who is um, Goldthwaite Professor of Rhetoric, International Literary and Cultural Studies at Tufts University. Now um, we're thrilled to have Susan on for so many reasons. First of all, um, eminent scholar in in the field of Japanese anime, someone who I'm always directing my students to um, work uh, has sort of culminated, I think, recently in the publication of Miyazaki World, A Life and Art. So we're sort of thrilled, I think, to grab you as you're moving between countries onto onto things and squeezing us in. Um, the second reason is that Susan is also part of the fantasy animation story. So back when we put the, the book together about four years ago, something like that, um, Susan wrote um, a wonderful chapter on Japanese animated fantasy cinema of the 80s and 90s, kind of looking at it through the lens of traditional folklore and, and thinking through fantasy animation um, in relation to, to Japan and Japanese culture. So thank you so much, as I said, not just for being on the podcast and for being part of the fantasy animation story, but yeah, for, for squeezing us in as part of your travels. 
Thank you for inviting me. <laughs> so, um, as I said, we're, we're thrilled to have you on, and, and we were thinking about essentially the films that we could do, the films that we had done, and we had a couple of email back and forths about what we might do for this for this special episode. And I know that you're in town to watch, um, or that you will have seen already, the, the production of My Neighbor to Toro at the, at the Barbican. Um, but we we sort of had a few emails back and forth, as I said, and we settled on Spirited Away, or you suggested that Spirited Away was the one that you really wanted to do. So why Spirited Away? And I, I suppose I'd also be interested in terms of where it sort of sits within your work as well. Why is it why is it a film that you're perhaps drawn to or one that perhaps bears out some of the things that you're you're interested in researching? Wow. Uh, I have to say, as I said, I was just uh, teaching Spirited Away for, I don't know, maybe the... 15th, 16th, 17th oh, really? time yeah. last um, Thursday. And I realized when I was teaching it, again, having done it many times before, how much I love this film. But it's also becoming harder for me to teach it because I've probably written more on Spirited Away oh, than right. I have on any other, almost any other film, really. And I think it's because it's just so chock block full of so many interesting elements and and beautiful, fascinating, crazy, uh, eerie, bizarre, grotesque, um, <laughs> political, um, Sounds about right, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, they're yeah. Just, it, it's just amazing. And it's also just such a trip to, to, to see this film. I mean, it's, it's um, even in Miyazaki's work, which has never shied away from, you know, being kind of conventional and boring, or rather, has always shied away from being conventional and boring. Yeah. Uh, it, it's a very really powerfully dreamlike, um, almost in some ways boundary-crossing work, I would say. I mean, I, I still come back to it and think, really? Mm. That's really interesting. That person is really, uh, that, that creature is really vomiting. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, wow. Yeah. Yeah. A lot. <laughs> yeah, a lot. <laughs> yeah, 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 a lot. Well, actually, when we watched it, we, I mean, Alex and I have seen it before, and we, we, we watched it for this podcast, and you said, Alex, yeah, that you this sort of got a lot out of it this time, or perhaps oh, more I've seen it about four or five times, wow. and yeah. I always find it a mesmerizing, but quite kind of kaleidoscopic almost mm. fractural experience like it's I, it's not a film that co I find very cohesive and that might be its strength right and, and it's not necessarily trying for that but this time I did find it kind of it, it, not so much it came together and I solved the mystery because I suspect it's a film like you say that you could watch again and again and mm -hmm. again and find a different way of viewing it but I found yeah a really rich experience this time so I was very pleased to revisit it I'm really, I'm really glad you say that. It, it's interesting since you're a fantasy um, podcast as well. One thing I was thinking about uh, this week was uh, Portal fantasy. And, oh, um, you've got him going already. A great, I mean, <laughs> Spirit Away is the ultimate Portal fantasy. Mm, yeah. And, of course, it does have, um, uh, it, it certainly has been inspired by Alice in Wonderland, yep. which, of course, is another one of Alice going down the, uh, the rabbit hole. But in Spirited Away, you know, there are, I think, at least three portals <laughs> that yep. they go through. And each one is, is through a different world. So to get back to your point about whether it's cohesive, I, I do totally get that. It does seem, there, there are things that seem a little uh, untoured or you're surprised, which I think is, again, one of the, the powers of the mm -hmm. film. It's, it's not conventionally plotted in certain ways. But the portals are, you know, first, she, this is a girl going, a young girl going with her parents. They're moving to a new house, um, new town. Uh, she's not thrilled at all. No. And one of the other pleasures of the film is, is seeing how very realistic this young girl, Chihiro, is. She's, you know, sullen and sulky and, and really quite a brat. <laughs> uh, and then the father, who is clearly seen as a bit of a... 
of uh, sort of someone someone who always likes to have his way, mm. you know, decides they're going to take a shortcut, and of course you know what happens in shortcuts, especially in fantasies, they get lost. Quickly through the woods, uh, always yes, a bad always, idea. Always <laughs> a bad idea, got to watch out for those woods. Yeah. Uh, so they go through the woods, and then then they enter, they, they, they stop right in front of this strange tunnel-like building. And I mean, classic classic fantasy portal stuff yep. and they go through and I hadn't realized until this last year um, how extraordinary that that tunnel like place is uh, it's called the waiting room and it's um, beautifully beautifully animated or in a way less there's very little movement in it it's just this the, the, the colors and light is extraordinary because it it's, looks like um, a kind of European an old European train waiting room uh, with her sort of slants of light coming through I think there there may be a bench there's a, a water fountain uh, little that, that sort of clink clonking very very occasionally I mean all oh and uh, on this waiting room slash tunnel which has also got a clock tower on it there are two clocks and they they're telling different times yeah. so you're immediately in this this liminal world where you've crossed a boundary into something strange so they the family all go through and then there's yet another kind of quasi portal which is this this vision of an abandoned theme park yeah. which I yeah. also love yeah. and that's very much related to kind of the sociology and the society of the late 90s in Japan where they'd had this huge boom in the bubble era 10 years before and they'd built all these theme parks and really you know kind of fun sort of but silly stuff they I think they had a, a Dutch village at one point and then the um, then, then the roof fell in in terms of, of the economic crisis and so you have this vision of an abandoned theme park which is perfectly somewhat quite realistic except of course but it's also an abandoned theme park and theme parks are fantasy spaces they're they're places where you you look at things you've never seen before and you you participate in activities you could never do in the real world but this is abandoned so there's a sense of melancholy and strangeness that that sweeps um the the theme park and and again they're kind of wandering through and and the parents are fine with it, um, but again, they're they're sort of going deeper and deeper. And again, Chihiro, the the child, is saying, "No, it's you know, it's yeah. boring. It's enough." But no, they keep going, and then they they walk into the next uh, portal. So I think there were three really into the town, which is also a strange town. And in Japanese, it's called the Fushigina Machi, which means the mysterious town. And that is Fushigi means mysterious or a little strange. Uh, and by the way, Alice in Wonderland. Um, in uh, Japanese is uh, the wonderland is Fushigi Kuni the the, right. uh, the, the mysterious place so right. here she is she's um, here they are in this strange town which again is abandoned yeah. um, there are stores and restaurants and one of the restaurants has this incredibly delicious smelling food coming out of it but no one's there and then um, uh, but the, the parents are, are hungry and greedy and again we all know what happens when you go into abandoned places which have food and you don't uh, ask if you could, you're allowed to eat the food, um, and this is very, very bad in this case. What happens? Um, uh, but um, but before that happens, once again, uh, Chihiro is looking through one more uh, portal, which is she's going over a red bridge, yep. and she sees as she crosses the red bridge this gigantic red 
old fashioned building, which is so strange and so wonderful. And that is one of, is one of Miyazaki's great creations. The bathhouse is just the structure yeah. is is based on <clears throat> traditional Japanese bathhouses, but it's grander, bigger, and stranger. The the bright red color is is a, almost a, a little sinister looking, uh, and then the, the red bridge over it. And so we we really by this point, this is probably in the first what twelve minutes of oh, the film. So I was gonna yeah. my my, my yeah. question was gonna be. So this all happens in the first sort of 10, 15 minutes. Um, And and I was thinking, I suppose, based based on that... In, I mean, and both in relation to this sort of portal, portal fantasy mm, narrative. Portals portal. within portals within portals. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the film doesn't spend that much time this side of the mm-hmm. portal. And in no. fact, not only does the film not spend that much mm-hmm. time this side of the portal, the fact is that all of the characters, all of the family, are immediately defined, obviously, by their movement mm-hmm. because they're travelling, but they're also un- untethered to a place because they are moving to a place from somewhere else. Right. They're just the only, And the only sort of jeopardy or, or stakes at that point is is we just need to get there before the movers. Mm-hmm. And so there's not really so the film doesn't spend that much time this side of the portal and I felt that was perhaps I, well maybe I'm wrong but not I, I felt that was unusual for, yeah. for a fantasy piece to maybe get us quite quickly into the to the to the through the portal and into the world. Well, well to throw my two cents into the three portholes what also is going along in that wonderful description you gave us there Susan is like <clears throat> a direction of the audience is to kind of the place of fantasy in its relation to space and, mm-hmm. and movement that's going to take place in this movie. And I think that's one of the reasons it wrong-footed me the first go at it, as someone that comes at it with primarily a kind of Western framework. What we get is a kind of porthole, mm-hmm. and usually, certainly within the Western kind of literary imagination, right, a porthole is a, is a, is a journey into kind of into an adventure, into mm-hmm. movement. You know, Alice... Alice goes from sitting on a riverbank to mm. travelling through Wonderland. Dorothy yeah. goes, you know, travels over there and then has to move all around the, uh, the Oz, learning where it is, mapping all the space. But very interestingly, what we get in this is actually with that gesture of the, of the theme park as well, mm. and I, th- I think you could also throw in there, you know, the evocation of kind of Disneyland, right, yeah. in that, Ooh, you yeah. know, and, 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 yes. and the idea of, like, an imagined space that's been... De-animated. Well, it's been... De- and de-enchanted as well because it's been turned into a, a vehicle for consumerist consumption, yeah, yeah. right? It's it's only fantastical in the, in the consumerist sense of the word, right? Yeah. So this abandoned wreck, then you go into the bathhouse, and the mm-hmm. bathhouse is, is, is so unlike these kind of magical spaces because actually all the movement is coming to and from it, isn't it? They are this state static world where the spirits come in and out mm-hmm. of. All the adventures are... Well, I don't know about adventures. There's plenty of adventures in the movie. But all the <laughs> movement and, and spatial kind of location, the world is happening around this mm-hmm. bathhouse and the bathhouse gets people visiting and, and going. They're the travellers, if you will, into the bathhouse. And those are, and there's a, it's a much more static, rooted, almost home-like kind of world than, than something like Oz or Wonderland or something like that. Wow, that's really interesting. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, uh, the bathhouse has a kind of very uh, weirdly almost comforting aspect mm. to it. I mean, it is a bathhouse, so, you know, you'll know it's going to be warm and, and clean, and um, it's uh, a place where people are taken care of. They, the, the gods who come in are, are and you, as you say, there's a lot of traveling back and forth, constant movement. Some of the most beautiful yeah. scenes are the, the gods going over the bridge. I mean, that, that's incredible. Um, but she's kind of of course, initially she's scared of the bathhouse because there's, you know, she's in a bathhouse mm-hmm. of gods. Her parents have been transformed, and uh, you know she's on her own. 
and yet there there's kindness there a couple of times uh, people sort of go out of their way yeah. to, several times people go out of their way to be nice to her or creatures go out of their way to yeah. be nice to her and she also finds work and and what you're saying is interesting to me because you know when you think about it does alice go to work in wonderland does does dorothy i mean they're yeah. just you know they're 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 adventuring they're doing you know useful things probably um, but yeah immediately I mean, in fact, the whole premise of, of her being allowed to stay in the bathhouse, of Chihiro being allowed to stay, is because she is uh, willing to work, and yeah. she insists on working. And that also, there's a kind of movement there, but it's a very enclosed movement. It's, you know, bathing and cleaning. And is there a, so on that issue of, issue of labor, so yeah. is, is there, a, and do you think, or maybe there isn't, a sort of contradiction between what is evidently a critique of you know, through the abandoned theme park, mm-hmm. through the fact that the father, when he sort of begins to start eating mm-hmm. in this extravagant... Yes. Um, gluttonous. Well, uh, yeah, exactly, this kind of gluttonous bonanza. Mm-hmm. Um, he says something like, you know, it doesn't matter, I've got money and I've got a card right. and things like this. So the film's obviously making a, a, a series of points about modernity or, or whatever it is. But it, So is there is there a, a conflict? or it's, it's interesting then, perhaps, that there could be a potential conflict read in the fact that Chihiro very quickly, she you know she begins to dematerialize when she moves through the space. She begins to de- mm. dematerialize. Then she has something to eat from that world. Is able to become three dimensional, let's say, and then is put to work. And I just wonder whether there's a contradiction or what 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 the film's doing between a critique of of certain kinds of labor versus her forced labor that actually provides her with comfort and and sanctuary and and is and and a a sort of sister-like figure or mother figure even Mm -hmm. i would say there's so so i'm just i'm trying to get my head around the sort of critique that miyazaki is or isn't making around about around the workforce and the and labor and and things like that yeah it's interesting isn't it because to survive in this world for her she has to, to work yeah. she has to and she has to no. consume she has to eat and mm-hmm. she has to work yeah wow. so pretty basic but pretty basic yeah. but but also pretty kind of you know fundamentalist kind of capitalist yeah, um yeah. subject right if you're not eating if you're not consuming and you're not doing then then you cease to be you cease to even have an identity wow. and with that yeah. you're right i'm just trying, a push yeah. and pull going trying to kind of locate the crit- critiques i think it's 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 perhaps clear that that certainly in the first let's say the little prologue before the the, the Alice goes through the the um, rabbit hole it, yeah. it's make it's making a comment about um, about loss and as you say capitalism modernity um, and the loss of fantasy the deanimation of uh, the charm all that sort of stuff I think that's really kind of pointed but it's just interesting that what the what the kind of going through the portal what it provides her with. And I just was trying to get a sense, yeah, get a sense of what, whether it's too easy to just kind of say that the film is critiquing these things or actually yeah. it's sort of, mm, I don't know, it's yeah. just kind of what, the film is still working within those structures, essentially. Um, there actually is um, a very a good, uh, and I will look it up, a very good article on um, on capitalist labor in a spirited way. You may be familiar with it, but I'm, I'm blanking on who wrote it. But the woman talks about the uh, the gods as kind of the surplus of capitalism because they the idea is these are these are gods who, at least in Miyazaki's eyes, need uh, refreshment. Uh, they probably are gods who are no longer really working that much because they, um, they're no longer part of, of modern Japan. So uh, there's right, definitely an, an issue there. Um, so they're kind of reminders or they're left yeah, out, remainders. Yeah, the surplus. Or... Um, the gods themselves, we, 
we see them really in a huge variety. Uh, and I think that is, in, well, perhaps you could say it has a folkloric tradition in that Japan and Japanese culture is full of gods and demons and deities, and it, it's just incredibly creative that way. But uh, Spirited Away, for example, is kind of based on a very old um, tradition of the, the no-face, uh, although usually uh, it's particularly seen as a no-faced woman. Uh, and it's often mm. uh, you meet a woman in a field and you're a farmer and you, for some reason you go and strike up a conversation in the middle of the night with a woman you meet in the field, which is not a good idea. Uh, and then she turns to you and you realize that she has no face. Right. Uh, so that, that certainly is um, <clears throat> probably drawn from there. But, but no face himself or itself uh, is really um, pretty much unique to um, Miyazaki. There may be one, one earlier version in a, in a Rumiko Takahashi. Uh, she... Um, uh, uh, anime series, but but the, this idea of this, this empty, um, black-robed, white-faced god with a gigantic maw, <laughs> you know, that huge teeth, is, is absolutely Miyazaki. And, uh, but to go back to this earlier point mm. about um, what's, what's going on with political critiques, um, I think there is a sense of of Miyazaki is very aware of Japanese society at the point that he's creating uh, Spirited Away. And one thing he is concerned about is um, a loss of, of meaningful uh, activities in life for, for especially young people. And you probably know this, but um, he deliberately created Spirited Away, at least um, part of his reason was because he, um, one of his uh, staff had a young daughter of 10 whom, and he, Miyazaki observed her with her friends, and they, they just seemed like they were doing nothing. They weren't going and playing. They were probably, this was before cell phones, but they were probably just, you know, hanging out, playing games or something, video games or something. And so he, he absolutely deliberately created Spirited Away to kind of, as a, as a vision of, of a galvanized young girl who is, you know, orig originally lying in the, uh, the back of the car yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then yep. we see her becoming more and more active yeah. to get get to your point. But um, I think that there, in a very basic way, uh, he is really privileging labor and manual labor uh, mm -hmm. to quite a high degree because there is this, you know, she she has to get a job mm -hmm. and the job is very basic stuff. I mean, at one point you do see her and the other uh, sort of female creatures at the bathhouse cleaning. And it's, it's a great scene there. They're, they're, they're uh, cleaning the floor all, all together in a row and, and Chihiro's not very good at this, but she kind of manages to catch up. And so there is a, a sense of the activity, purposeful activity. Uh, that is making a difference. Uh, so I think that there is a rather uh, strong, I mean, I don't usually think of Miyazaki as terribly didactic, but I do think a little bit here he is kind of pushing the, the work ethic very, very intensely. So what does that mean then? And it seems like I'm jumping ahead to the to the end of the film, but I think it, it connects to the issue of the, the, the portal uh, fantasy again in that I know that, that Alex, when we've had conversations about The Wizard of Oz, the sort of return back from Oz to... Thank you for mentioning it. The, we have to mention it in every podcast. Yeah, yeah. So well there's, there's, there's no place like home. And, 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 and so uh, given this, the, the didacticism that you're describing, Susan, is, is I, I'm just wondering how the audience then feels when Chihiro then comes back into a world that is clearly not as exciting and clearly and we don't know why the families move necessarily uh and 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 with portal quest i don't know is it the case of the return is 
is a joyful moment or a, mm. a return is a uh, we're now back to some kind of normality or or it or is is this film doing something different even with that trope by almost downplaying I always said to Alex when we watched it that when that when she comes back through the portal the film doesn't spend that much time and then it ends as almost as if I was not really interested in the the topping and tailing of the but, narrative but they but, never are are they I mean I don't, I'm sure you've got some some thoughts on the movie but like just as a general genre point right that's there's like six sentences in Alice in Wonderland that constitute the beginning and the end right it's, <laughs> it's like Alice is yeah. sitting on the, it's like a paragraph mm-hmm. yeah. and then she falls asleep and then she wakes up and it's over I yeah. think a lot of fantasy movies have what I call like they're, like they're a bit like 50s melodramas they just set up this kind of like completely irreconcilable kind of problem and then they don't really know how to solve it so they just get the kind of oh and they, they wake up there's no place right home you know, the Pevensey children come out of, of Narnia and oh they're still it's still war, World War 2 and they're still children and they were just kings and queens but hey let's go down for dinner and that's sort of how it <laughs> right, how, right. there's this sort of it, it, I find the endings of fantasy very interesting particularly these kind of portal quest structures um, wow. it's almost like the author's deliberately kind of allowing that to kind of sit on an ironic gaze. I don't know if you would agree with that um, with Miyazaki, though. I, I'm not I do sure. want to uh, talk about that. Can I just go back for a minute to the whole interest of labor? Yes, 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 One yes, thing yes. about this article is that um, the article sort of makes it sound as if Ghibli is a... a ooh, actually, there is a uh, certainly an idea that perhaps that the, sta- the, the bathhouse is Ghibli. It's a metaphor for Ghibli. Uh, uh, yes, and, um, and actually Miyazaki is Kamaji, the uh, the guy down at the bottom of the, in the basement who, uh, who has his eight arms and is basically, without me, <laughs> this place would fall yeah, apart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Don't get to thank him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Never get to thank you. And um, so he's... Um, uh, so there is this uh, idea that that you know there are these people being exploited. Uh, some of the staff right, seems right. to want to go away. Lynn, the friend of, of Chihiro, mm-hmm. say, "Gee, I, I'm going to get out of here someday." And um, my, oh, yes. my students always pick up on this and they love it and they bring in sort of basic Marxist Marxist theory into it. But I had one student point out it's still an incredibly lively, yes. a- appealing place, and you really you know it's not like an oppressive mill. Um, another oh, it's quite interesting. Spirit Way is partly inspired by a, um, I think it's a German uh, fantasy, originally from the 14th century, called the, um, I think it's almost like the Satanic Mill. Right. Not, not quite, but it's close to that. And it, it's in English, it's called Krabat. I don't right. know if either no, you've heard of it. Know. It's very interesting. It's about a mill where, where people are forced to, to work, and it's very, and a very dark, uh, and the, the person who heads it is clearly, clearly demonic. Uh, very generally satanic, and then, so again, Miyazaki's taking from all these different things. Um, so you could see he could have gone into a darker direction with Yubaba, the head witch, being really exploitative and horrible. But no, I mean he he makes it into, and that's why I think it could be Ghibli because it's that kind of place that you work hard, mm. you have these annoying people on on you know over you, you know yelling at you to do stuff, um, and yet there is this this sense of creativity and excitement that. that goes on. Now, back to the, the portal theory and mm. uh, the end. This is really important because uh, I really think that this is where, um, and it's very interesting what you said about the Pevensies, because you're quite right, they, they do just kind of come back and, and go on. Um, but I think that this, the very ambiguity of Spirited Away uh, ending is, first of all, very much a kind of Ghibli motif, um, particularly in Miyazaki's work. He does not give us, and you know, I'm working on comparing them now with uh, Disney, and so uh, Disney gives us the the happy ending, the everything's tied up in a bow, uh, but I think um, Miyazaki 
deliberately refuses to give us that. And one of the very interesting things in Spirited Away is the English dub. I don't know if you saw it. You probably did. Did you see the English yeah, dub? Well, yeah, well, we, we were fighting between which one to sort of <laughs> see which available reasons, yeah. we did see yeah. it. In the but I think I've seen the original. Seen yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, actually, well. I think it's a pretty good dub. Yeah. Um, but at the end, sure enough, um, uh, they, uh, Disney or whoever was, uh, you know, Jeff and Disney was distributing it, uh, someone was concerned that the ending was too ambiguous. Uh, and I find the ending amazing because, again, it brings up all kinds of interesting ideas back to this question of time because they come out and uh, the tunnel, they, they retrace their steps and they get in the car, but the car is covered with dust and leaves and so yeah. something's gone gone on. And the mum says, is this a sick joke? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, like, All the kids happened? around my way are doing that with the cars. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but at the end, they get in the car and they leave and, um, uh, and there's nothing said. They're, they're just driving off. And... I think Disney and Company decided that was too uncomfortable for American audiences, so they added two lines of dialogue, which oh, are yeah. uh, they're, they're driving out, and the the father says, "Oh, so new school, new place, yeah. huh?" And Chihiro says, "I think I can handle it. Yeah, yeah. I'll be fine. Yeah, and, yeah, interesting. It's, it's interesting because the Japanese sort of the the audience in Japan would not have worried about that. Not they sure. think, well, she's had this amazing experience, and and uh, Zeniba, the other." old which oh, yes. says that Between, you, yes. you will remember that this will stay in your memory maybe not overtly but as a psychiatrist friend of mine said that's the thing about memories that these experiences will stay with you and you will access them uh, either subconsciously or at some level so what what she experienced she may not remember consciously but but she has done this she has grown she has changed in a way that will will stay yeah. with her um, so uh, I think that Miyazaki sort of is assuming that we'll figure that out but just in case <laughs> for the American <laughs> audience because we in America we, we like our endings clear you know it's going to be okay yeah. but um, but you're you're right about the the, um, the lack of um, Definite endings. Now you're making me think. Well, um, they they try. Yeah. It's, it's as that's why why, why I compare them to fifties melodramas yeah. is that they they definitely end, but they mm -hmm. don't feel they don't yeah. feel sat the ending never feels satisfying. I think there is just a problem with fantasy and endings. In yeah, that the whole kind of ethos, mm -hmm. aesthetic pleasure mm -hmm. of fantasy is in creation and expansion and opening wow. things up. That it's just it's just very difficult to work out how you end a story. Yeah. Other than it's stopping, which tends yeah. to be how they just oh just have to stop now. This, you know? this feels That's why there's so many multi-series. I think because like you just got to keep going, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah. You've just got to keep going, or uh, it's like a television show. You know, yeah. <laughs> this just this just feels doubled. I suppose for two reasons. That one because the beginning is as short as the end, so we mm -hmm. don't really know what she's returning to and whether right. this is a the stakes of that return yeah. or whether this is a good thing for and and the fact that she's fallen fallen in love with Haku and then. Yeah. No, that that's I'll, I'll see you again, but I don't. And so I'm not. I, I haven't kind of got quite got my head around that. But also, I, I was interested. I hadn't really thought that that given when Disney start to distribute mm -hmm. Ghibli for, or get, get involved, right. um, I suppose in that process. Mm -hmm. um, am I right in thinking it's around Princess Mononoke? Yeah, right? so, so this is only four yeah. years four yes. years later. So this is at the start of that kind of mm -hmm. corporate relationship. But I hadn't realised that that extra edition of the two lines it do, does some sort of is that enough for you to try yeah, and like right. wrap it up? Yeah. But okay, we need to explain this. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't really kind of thought because it's, it's it's done against a, a black screen, isn't it? Mm -hmm. When the car sort of drives away, yeah. And and um, Haku says to to Chihiro, "Don't don't look back. Whatever you do, don't right, look back." Right, right, and you have yeah. one shot of the car driving away, mm -hmm. 
that you're not sure whether it's a point of view of her, but the car's driving away from the tunnel and you think, I think she is looking back there, and you have a you know, have all these leaves kind of flying through yeah. and then, then the camera reverts and we follow the car and then it kind of fades to black and then you have these extra two sentences. So yeah. I felt there was a loads going on in, and again, just kind of two minutes at the end, cool. but yeah. Yeah, I can't quite remember that now that you mention it. Yeah, uh, I think the idea of the point of view shot, I mean, yeah. is it Haku's looking at it? Because that would be very cool, I like Or even that. Chihiro looking back, looking at, back. The por- yeah. at, at the portal yeah. and driving uh, as right. she drives away, just to give it a little bit of, she she is sort of mourning for that place yeah. because it's kind of a little bit, little bit unclear. Because her parents aren't, aren't Presented in the best light, one because they're transformed into pigs, and two, <laughs> and, and two, they're just also just not in the film. No. Yeah. So, and they only appear at the the beginning mm. and end. So it's I don't know. There's loads. There's obviously loads in this film that we could yeah. we I'm could do. About this, this looking back and the kind of melancholy, because I'm thinking that is what childhood is about, isn't it? Mm. I mean, we don't remember exactly all the stuff that went into our childhood, or even we might remember some boy. Uh, that we liked, you know, who was really nice, and then he went away, or you know, mm. or you went away, and you're, you know, you, um, you kind of remember it, and and I, I just feel like, wow, you know, music is really kind of on to something. This, all this amazing detailed things that happened to you, that you, you know, are not necessarily going to be able to process, you know, consciously yeah. and talk about, but you'll have a sense of, of melancholy or nostalgia, which is actually very believable, mm. despite the incredible, you know, fantasy, extraordinary, sure. fan- fantastic framework of the film. Yeah. The, the way the kind of, another way it invokes that in the ending, we've jumped to the end, we've done the beginning and the ending now, we yeah. will do the middle yeah. in a minute. Yeah. Nothing um, happens in the middle. Yeah, exactly. They should put that on the poster, yeah, no, dull, dull. Susan Good Nobia. beginning, yeah. good. Oh, no, no. Not sure about the middle. Um, the other thing they evoke is this kind of a temporal fantastic, like in the kind of hesitation, ambiguity sense of the word. That with that, with the leaves. The other thing it's inviting you to think on a very literal level is right. Is is it's that sense that no time has passed and yet a lot of time has passed. Mm-hmm. Which again, film, um, uh, you know, fantasy narratives like Narnia do very well. Mm-hmm. As in One Man do very well. There's also a kind of you're, you're placed in that kind of sense, which yeah. is exactly what you're saying. That sense of childhood being both the longest and the shortest mm-hmm. period of your life, you know. Wow. Uh, things mm. feel much longer when you're exactly. a, uh, a exactly. kid because you haven't got that yeah. sense of got context. Got ages Summers go, were longer, you know, weren't ages. they? You know? When's tea? Ages yeah. away. Yeah, 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 exactly. So I think that's another nice way yeah. of doing it. But, yeah, you know, yeah. that, that's really interesting. Um, there's an article by a Japanese scholar that I encountered sometime last year um, in which this person talks about, apparently the time is very weird. Okay. It's very way. It starts with the clock tower with yeah, two yeah, different yeah. clocks and then then there's something about the moon the phases of the moon which are a little bit out of sync so we really have no idea how long she does spend there yeah, which sure. I mean, again I've only just been started thinking about it but yes. I'm, I'm thinking more and more about time because uh, can I mention I think I, I told you that I was just finished reviewing um, a book a new translation of a jet of a oh yes Zaki yes book. yes you said yeah, and, in your emails, um, yeah. it's it's kind of exciting he wrote the book in 1983 and it's called Shuna no Tabi or Shuna's journey and uh, it's only just come out in English translation. And it's, it's really a picture book. It's not even a manga. It's not even a graphic novel. It's a you know, prose um, narrative and then these gorgeous pictures. Um, but it starts with this um, opening lines, uh, and it, they're, they're sort of etched onto a, a vision of mountains. And then a, you see uh, a kind of the mountains are going down. And you see in the, in the sort of heart of the, uh, there's a valley and there's a, a village there. And it says, um, uh, let's see, I, I can't remember exactly, but something like, 
uh, I long, it was a long time ago, or maybe it was in the future. Nobody <laughs> knows. But in a valley abandoned by time, there was a village. And I just mm. thought, abandoned by time. That's yeah. very interesting. And I kind of wonder if, if, you know, in our world right now, the 21st century, the postmodern world, we're feeling more and more abandoned by time because yes. we don't, we, you know, we have such an, um, an ambiguous future. And even our past is being kind of changed and corrected and, and uh, altered <laughs> sort of all around us. And so maybe in a way, spirited way, this was before COVID and before, but, but by then climate change was already happening. You know, you have a feeling that, that I mean, you asked about what, what's going to be coming afterwards. Maybe there is no after. Mm -hmm. Maybe there's just this, this present, you know, moment, this, this experience that she's going through. I mean, I wonder how people felt, you know, the students felt when, uh, during COVID, when they were in lockdown, this, sure. this feeling of, of just not having a future. Uh, and the past is also seems to be, you know, not, yeah. not what it should have been. Mm. Yeah. yeah, so that really, it continue, yes, you're quite right. There's lots of... So this is, I guess, whether whether you add two lines or not, mm -hmm. all this experiential affect is is kind of that's the you know you, you can you can try to tie these things up yes. in a bow. This is why I always resist quite conservative, easy readings of any kind of narrative like this because it's like because there's so much bubbling under the surface. The, the viewer, even if you give them, don't worry, it was all about this at the end. <laughs> or or you, don't they just worry, don't it buy all, it. It like, was all a dream. Yeah, it was all a dream oh, because yeah. there's no place like yeah. home. No one buys it. Like yeah. no, there was there was yeah. a much better place. It was called Oz. <laughs> I just watched for an hour and a half of it. Yeah. It was much better. Much better. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but the dream thing because I, because she's presented as you said uh, earlier on, Susan, that she that Chihiro's present first presented asleep, and then the last shot of her is or her last line of dialogue mm -hmm. is now against this kind of blackened screen I did uh, there is the classic oh because I remember when I first watched it I thought oh, is this all a, is this all a dream mm -hmm. and of course I imagine that's you know <laughs> students would raise this all that mm -hmm. I feel like it's a dream but the film and I still don't know where I sit because the easy answer is well of course it's not a dream because fantasy exists you've taught me this Alex sure. fantasy exists yeah, you know sure. but but equally is the is the film she's asleep and doesn't want to go somewhere so has this really great fantasy and then we don't see her at the end wake and and when the dad those extra two lines are basically a dad waking her up and but, so i don't know it, it, but it's, isn't, isn't the isn't the more interesting question why does it matter if it is a dream said the psychoanalyst that's you know does, yeah, it, really, yeah, yeah. does it really matter no, no, if no. it's a dream or not because you know either way does that make the experience no because in terms of everything exists. we're talking about yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's still meaningful it's yeah. still powerful yeah. i suppose so. that would because to, to to do that would make would you'd have to then argue that the bit in the middle i.e the film the good bits of the film <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, are you you only ever analyze it through it's how Chihiro is working through trauma or right, catharsis. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or, right. th so the outcome of, of making it all a dream means that you then have to reframe the bits, all the narrative beats, turn it into some sort of interpretive meat that the students saw or, or sure. critics go, yeah, well, so that's really her. And I don't, so I don't buy that her experiences in, the, in this world are entirely down to her anxiety about New school. New place. school. Yeah. It's exactly what you said about the experience. Of, it's tuning. It's about the experience of childhood and the th and the way that time stretches mm -hmm. and things and might weird remind. Things happen yeah, weird childhood. weird things happen. You remember, you know, your you, child. The classic thing with childhood is you know you're moving through a world that isn't designed or built for mm -hmm. you, and that is makes perfect sense in in the case of Spirited Away. That and one thing that struck me this time is the kind of comedy of the film, especially comedy in relation to her body as mm -hmm. she and she says at one point, "Oh, what a klutz." Or she gets uh, she gets accused of being a klutz, so right. she bangs her head and and falls, oh, falls over down. and hits the wall. And, mm -hmm. and I thought, yeah, she's not familiar with this world. 
at all, is she? Wow. Um, and that's what childhood's like. You're having to wow. navigate yeah. spaces that aren't built for you. Things are not the heights that, you know, everything's too high or children climb the walls when they're anxious or anxious, you know, all that sort of stuff. So that's what made me, the, the, the thing not of it not being a dream is sort of really, it, I think it is really important that we don't read it as all a dream because it would require us to, to interpret everything that happens in the middle as part of her working through working of her situation when actually Charles is just a bit messy yes well in the spirit of space and talking about the middle of the movie should we yeah. talk about the sort of so the first half of the movie <laughs> is this kind of relatively episodic adventures in the mm -hmm. bathhouse kind of right. um, you know fun in the bathhouse yeah fun in the bathhouse that's what one DVD that's what the menu that's what the chapter breakdown would be fun in the bathhouse chapter house. 6 fun in the bathhouse yeah, yeah, yeah. Jihiro arrives fun and, in the bathhouse and we get these kind of that's these creatures bit. coming in and out Creating various problems, we get this. Yeah, what what is it? Is it? Do they call it a stink monster or a swamp monster? Stink monster. Stink, stink monster, but it isn't a stink monster. So there's this sequence where she has to cleanse mm -hmm. the, this kind of foul. Um, Pull the thorn from the lion's foot. Creature. Or something. Right. Yeah. And it's just a tremendous amount. Like, again, that creature's kind of, I don't know, it ends up just being a big pile of waste, doesn't it? Like, yes. you know, um, which has got to be something to do with all the themes we've sort of evoked well, so far. One, I one. mean, the film has uh, some preoccupation with, with disgusting things. I mean, yeah, that yeah. to me is one, one reason why I find it so fascinating. Yeah. Uh, yes. One fan described the stink monster as um, an ambulatory uh, giant turd. <laughs> And really, if you look at it, it's it does fair. look like that. It's and um, and you notice the reactions of everyone at the bathhouse when it comes in. Everyone's just, oh, yeah. I can't, <laughs> I can't yeah. smell this. This is too awful. Um, they said that about humans, though. They yeah. make the same claim yeah. of the, the, the human smell. You know, if oh, you, that's true. Yeah. Once, oh, once, you, once she eats the food, they say. Yeah, yeah, yeah you'll yeah. kind of lose the smell. So I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know what I'm saying. I don't know what I'm saying, no, what I'm saying with this, but um, um, it's a very but, sensorial place, maybe. But certainly, that is sort of one of the things she is dealing with. And I don't I don't want to go through the, oh, she's working through trauma thing. Yeah, but yeah. she is dealing with disgusting things. Uh, and she's confronting them and really engaging with them. And could that also be, be childhood itself? Mm -hmm. yes, there are aspects right. of childhood that can be kind of gross. Mm -hmm. and, and Absolutely. So, and he really brings this to the fore. I mean, it's a very unusual film. In You don't often see children's films, which you have giant you know, uh, animated turds or sure. whatever, or or large uh, faceless monsters vomiting everything, yeah. um, and yet you know this is something that is yeah. kind of um, kind of nitty gritty yeah. and, and quite uh, even disturbing. Just, even it is a disgusting world. Like mm -hmm. you know, even the like the little detail of the fact that. What's it? There's the, the roasted newt. Yes. Uh, it's yeah. just mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone, everyone else it. behaves like it's this delicacy. Yes. And there's no. Nice. no you don't Great even point. get yeah. a lot of her like go. Like it's yeah. just sort of there and like ironically engaged with this this like yeah delicacy. Mm -hmm. um, I did just I suppose that the thing with disgust I think the fact that this is animated as well things that are disgusting animate mm -hmm. really well I can imagine yeah. having a lot of fun sure. with mm -hmm. things that are disgusting yes. and, and, and so forth um, more than in live action yeah, yeah. just the, the, the way that this this sort of blob moves um, but actually the thing that you just said that this that the, the perhaps the, the the film isn't is less about her being worried about this move as you said and more about trying to work through things that are disgusting yeah. and, and just, you know just growing up yeah, yeah but it, it, it makes me think that all, all the scenes where she's reflecting on so the fact that she does almost dematerialize and just kind of reflecting on yes. her own body and yeah. just sort of figuring out what her body can do or is capable of seems to be I just oh, yeah. now now read that in a different way based on what you said that that, that she's working through I don't want to say that she's 
you know, working through a journey to, to um, adulthood or anything like that. She's navigating this sort of between childhood and but, or adolescence. Know, and um, I actually have an article on this. Uh, as I said, I've written a lot on Spirited yeah. Away, on food in Spirited yeah, Away. Yeah, yeah. And um, the idea, uh, that very interesting scene when she does seem to be um, de, um, de, de uh, bodying, what do you call oh, it? Yes. <laughs> oh, yes, dematerialized. dematerialized, yeah, yeah, thank yeah. you. And remember, it comes after she has seen her parents snarfle down food, and she's very clearly disgusted by them, as yeah. one can be disgusted often by one's parents' actions, especially <laughs> at that age. Uh, but she's also, in a way, it may be also related to rejecting food. And then when she dematerializes, and I do mention this, is this possible a some kind of of, of um, evocation of anorexia? Yes, yes, uh, interesting. And, and then uh, later on, we have no face with the uh, consuming and then the vomiting, yeah. which could be bulimic. Yeah, but but yeah. those are also both um, characteristic of modern society. The rejection, the, the young girl trying to prove her identity, and she, the way she proves it is to almost disappear, which is very much an issue with, with young girls as they grow older, trying to get skinnier and skinnier, literally disappear. Uh, and then the whole, and then, but also the, the idea of modern, cons, uh, modern society to go back to this question of consumption mm. is built around consumption and then you know getting getting rid of it expending it and then consuming again and then getting rid of it mm. uh, that is I mean it's it's really a powerful vision in these films and but again what I love is that it's fantasy I mean if we uh, to be honest if it were a realistic film about a young girl dealing with bodily issues Fine, you know, that's okay. But when we see her, you know, becoming transparent on this riverbank in this, this fantasy world, it's just so amazing and it can bring up so many things. Yeah. But but anorexia could be one of them. Yeah, yeah. Same with um, No Face. I mean, he could be a metaphor for uh, obese capitalist consumption, but he also is this bizarre and, and fascinating and frightening mysterious creature. And that that's why I think fantasy can, can really uh, tap into yeah. all these, these aspects of the of the soul and the mind that that uh, real realistic and, and also live action can't do as well yeah absolutely so many absolutely. different relationships in the film that people have with food without food yes. food that is shared food that is yeah I, I I've got this I've got this bun I took this here you yes. go and just lots of little things roll the role that the sort of food is is playing yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I fetch you some breakfast. There's that with the stink monster scene, and then you know mm -hmm. that, a lot yeah. of a lot of a lot of the familial ties are mm -hmm. expressed through food, but then there yeah. also is a lot of threat. Yeah, food, yeah, isn't yes. there? I was writing down all like you know one of the things that's happening in this first hour is that is the is the you know classic portal quest is the rule building, and there's there's another kind of fun child. Uh, you can see how a, a, you know that, that fun in learning the rules mm -hmm. and and the rules being deliberately kind of arbitrary in right. the way that rules seem yes. arbitrary when you're a kid. It's Figuring very you know out, yeah. you've got to eat this, but don't worry, you can eat this, but you can't eat that. If you eat that, you turn into a pig. But if you eat this, <laughs> it will save your life. Yes. You've got to hold your breath while you go over this bridge. You've got to you know it's very yeah. the sort of games you play when you're a kid when you're like, right. We've got to see how far we can get with holding our arms above our head or whatever it is, you know, like, um, I think the only character, I, I was actually, the other thing I was interested in is Haku actually is very interesting because I was thinking about all these, all these rules and who's telling her the rules and who's not. It's often him. Yeah. Uh, and I was thinking, actually, that's quite unusual to have a character in these kind of stories in which the rules are being explained by, I was thinking about it in relation, like, we you know, Dorothy learns the rules as she goes. Right. 
Um, she thinks the wizard is going to explain all the rules when mm -hmm. he gets there, and then yeah. turns no. out turns out you're going to work out for yourself, kid. Um, yeah, too bad. Uh, too bad. Alice. It's almost like the narration in the narration style of Alice in Wonderland mm -hmm. is very uh, didactic, and it kind of almost chastises Alice a lot. So mm -hmm. almost she's made the butt of the jokes for not understanding these silly rules a lot. But right. but there's no sense that she is having them explained to her either. Haku well, is often bit, sorry, you no, know, got, yeah. I mean that there's no. eat me, drink me. I mean there are very Sure, the rule the world yeah. itself okay, no almost really doesn't it? Explaining them. No, sorry. you're right, no yeah. you're right. The, you know, you're right. The world almost just directs it, doesn't yeah. it? Eat me, drink and me, then the take this. The caterpillar says, you know, what one one um one, one side one. will get you taller, one side will get you smaller. Yes. Yeah. And there's but and there's an impact Patience with her for not like, and she'll go right. of, of what of the mushroom, like you know, like yeah. why don't you know? Or yes. like Humpty Dumpty exasperated <laughs> yeah. her that she yeah. doesn't understand all the weird cryptics mm. he's trying to say. But here, Haku is slowly and methodically explaining these. So, if anything, if there is an adult presence in the in the in terms of in terms wow. of a guiding voice, mm -hmm. Haku often answers as that. Um, and, which, and how old and how old is he? Yes, meant to be. Well, you he's know, the spirit the, of the river, Chris. Mm -hmm. he, he so is. he's older than Pretty all of us. Land is yeah, 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 older than people <laughs> itself. Um, yeah, he, he's eternal. My, do you know my favourite bit? Of the, my favourite bit of the film is the bit where they say goodbye on on the, and he says, you know, I'll I'll, I'll see you again mm -hmm. or something, and they hold hands and then they break hands and the film doesn't cut and there's like a there's like an extra that the, the shot holds for an extra two or three seconds on the space where their hands were, really? and I was th and I was thinking because you know me a, a lot of uh, Miyazaki films have that kind of the Ozu style pillow shots, mm -hmm, you know, exactly. these in between yeah. where you're just watching Mama. nature <laughs> unfold or, or you're you're seeing every day, but in a new. And I, and I really liked that because I I thought oh they they really are not going to or I wasn't optimistic that they would meet right. again but I thought their relationship was really intriguing and, and mm -hmm. him being very much of that world and eternal and, and you will see your he says at the start you will see your parents again but come with me and I, yeah I, their, their relationship I thought was really intriguing given that he also spoiler alert is you know metamorphosing at every turn right um. <laughs> um, you know that's, that's really cool um, something you said made me think about this, this idea of the river and it, eternal oh yes because one of the interesting aspects is that he is presented as kind at the beginning but then do you remember he seems to be a little bit uh, standoffish to her yeah. yeah and she asks Lynn the, the woman who's sort of yeah. taken over her kind of mentor role and she says well are there two mm -hmm. hakus oh, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and Lynn says no one yeah, is more than enough, enough. Yeah, yeah. Um, so all of a sudden you think oh you know maybe he's not great but but as um, I think my students and people have pointed out is that you know that is true of people Sometimes they do change. They are, yeah. um, you know, not always perfect. Sometimes you get tired or crabby or, or you have to go on a mission from Yubaba. But I've seen about the river again and how, you know, water is also, and water is very big in this film, uh, water has many different dynamics. And, of course, sometimes it's wonderful and nourishing, but also river can be, um, rivers can be dangerous and, and threatening. Yeah. So, I yeah. mean, that, that's actually very perfect for a water spirit. Yeah. And it's and always changing as well. Yes, so it's also... Yes really great to think about it in terms of a film so interested in ideas of metamorphosis exactly. and and yeah the animated in 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 nature as well as in tech like because you know there's nothing more animated in nature than a river right you yes. know cliffs rocks things these are all static forces but a river is constantly nice. in motion nice 
Very cool, yeah. Is there a significance to the river itself, do we know? I don't know the, 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 the Kohaku, yeah, Kohaku River. I don't... Um, I don't... I think it's a made-up name. Oh, okay, fine. Um, although Haku also is interesting because it, it's... I think the character for it is... Uh, uh, ideogram is, is white, which would suggest purity, but also uh, possibly even death because uh, figures right. are dressed in white uh, at death. Um, but... Um, I think that it, there's also the other river spirit, remember, who starts as a stink god and then becomes this mm. this vision of a really elderly river. I don't know if you can have young rivers. Sure, maybe. Uh, yeah, those springs. We don't yeah. really know how, how yeah. big Kohaku was, whereas the, the other river spirit really is this fantastic scene when it you know springs out all clean and purified and rushes out of the roof, uh, through the roof, and um, in, in, in this magnificent uh, four of motion uh, and yeah the um, so Kohaka could be a small river and remember it's gotten dammed up by um, uh, condominiums or, or some kind of building project. Ah, uh, yes, so, they say yeah. that, that it's not there anymore. Yeah. That's why I'd really. That's why I couldn't couldn't sort of find you. Or yeah. that's so. That was another sort of moment where I thought, oh, okay, so there's this critique going on, Absolutely. even though even though the critique itself is. It's not, I don't want to say it's not always consistent because I think it's deliberately not consistent. I think it's just just moments where the film is flagging up this. Well, it's it's critiquing, but it isn't only yeah. critiquing. It's, yes, it's also yes. it's it's more nuanced than right. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. So yes, we should do the, the the in a way for about an hour and twenty minutes. We get I don't know. Alice in Wonderland in the bathhouse, and then we get Wizard of Oz on a train um, for like the final fifteen minutes of the movie, yeah. right? Because yeah. oh, what right. she does, then, but but it's a very odd, it's a very oddly compact section mm -hmm. because actually, if you think about, if you were to write the synopsis of this movie, it'd be very tempting, certainly if you were writing it as a sort of Hollywood screenwriter, mm -hmm. to write the first hour and fifteen minutes of this movie in a couple of sentences, and then the final twenty minutes in about five or six sentences, you know, because essentially it's she gathers up a series of odd bod characters. Mm -hmm. Characters and yes. creatures Very goes on a Oz, goes yeah. on a journey with, with them all um, across the thing to save the across friend, water across, across water, water and, yeah. and land uh, and and air um, and or to flight, save her yes. friend from 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 this this witch this witch where this witch who is. Nominally, well, she's sort of suddenly very good, but when we first see her, she's not so good, and all this sort of stuff. So yes, again, this uncertainty of, of character. Yeah. What what do we have to say about that that bit? Because it's it's a really yeah, it, it feels like almost as I say on a wet. If you were writing out the kind of directional, here's the stuff, the plot, the adventuring. Mm -hmm. It's there, but it's only 15 minutes of the movie. And actually, there isn't this, you know, again, oh. you'd expect her to ba have to battle a dragon at the end, wouldn't yeah, you? Or yeah, something like that. That's so great. That's um, the movie is so unconventional. Mm -hmm. and, and what I love is, and I do do write about this in my, my book, that um, it was really almost spur of the moment that the, sort of the way the movie ended up, because originally it had been structured in more or less the way you're talking about. I don't, they, I don't know if they were going to battle the dragon, but the idea was that <laughs> Haku and Chihiro were going to get together and they were going to overthrow uh, uh, Yubaba, you yeah, know, yeah. nasty, evil Yubaba. And oh, that's exciting. Wow, who'd have thought of that? Yeah, uh, yeah. No, big old battle. Yeah, 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 big old battle. It, yeah. Chapter but, on the DVD, under new management. Yeah. Right, <laughs> exactly. Take over the bathhouse. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> exactly. But, yeah. but instead, um, you know, you they, they, they ran out of time and they ran way over budget and they apparently all sitting around one Saturday or Sunday afternoon when no one else was in the, um, the studio and they thought, 
we are, um, excuse me, it's, it's one of, I, I asked a Japanese friend how I would translate this, and he said, oh, you could say, we're in deep shit. <laughs> but but I, I didn't, because I couldn't, you know, I just yeah, couldn't, right. I just can't imagine Miyazaki saying that. So I said, uh, we, we realized we were in big trouble. Uh, so mm. what do you do when you're in big trouble? You, uh, apparently, in this case, you, you go back and you think, you know, we had this strange character on the bridge, you know, in the black robe without, you know, almost just a strange white face. Let's bring him in and yeah. completely change the movie. And I love that. That's where I think that's what the difference between genius and, and journeyman um, work sure. is that you can take a character that really had no no particular function and suddenly kind of change it into the one of the most important characters in the movie mm -hmm. and change all the movie around the character and, and do this, make it a very, very memorable, again, mm. very unconventional world in which the bathhouse does going to go crazy for a while. And then at the end, and I think Miyazaki did want this for a long time. Uh, I think that may have been part of the original, I'm not sure. He'd been wanting to do that train ride for a long, long time. Uh, and he has certain visions in his head that he wants to get into animation. Another one is in, in Howl's Moving Castle, where Howl captures a, um, a shooting star mm -hmm. and holds it in his hands. Uh, that Miyazaki wanted to do that since college days, you know. So he mm. wanted to do this train scene for a very long time. And so, you know, he puts that in and connects it in a way that, that makes sense because it turns out that, that uh, No Face, although, you know, dreadful and crazy inside the bathhouse is fine once he's out and what are we going to do oh well we're going to go on a journey it's, it's not just to rescue haku although that's cool too because think a young girl is rescuing someone not mm -hmm. the typical thing i mean just we now take it so much for granted that that me that miyazaki movies are like that but i just want to call attention to this empowered yeah. young female but again also that we're um we're going to go um on this journey we're going to going to take care of no face in a way that I certainly wouldn't have expected. I mean, all of a sudden we're at a, you know, kind of a little thatched farmhouse, like sure. right out of a fairy tale with, I, of course she has a spinning wheel. I mean, classic, you know, yeah. when did, when, And when stuff. did No Face learn how to <laughs> I know, I mean, well, I think she, I think, I think Zenny is teaching him, you know, right. but boy, he's, he's a fast learner, obviously. Yeah. And, and then they're, and just go back to the food, then they're sitting around yes, they eating are, yes. tea and cakes, which are a very civil, very proper. I mean, it's a very, clearly European kind of of, mm. of eating uh, cakes. Although, by the way, Japan has wonderful cakes, <laughs> wonderful tea, and uh, they, that's one thing they do beautifully, but, but it still was originally a European yes. custom. And so they're sitting there and very properly sipping their tea and nibbling on their cakes. Yeah. It's sort of like all this food thing has now come into this very quote unquote civilized vision, uh, which is kind, gentle, uh, and you know, sort of set. It, it's all everything's okay now. We can yeah. just relax and have tea. That whole scene, I was just looking at No Face with a fork. Yes, cutting it's the cake with a fork. Um, what that that really provocative image on the train mm -hmm. of of Chihiro sitting there, mm -hmm. and then No Face. You know, yes. if, you, if you Google image mm -hmm. Spirited Away, that's yes, the image that you that's ones. the image you get. Yeah. And it sort of made me think about this notion of shame, oh, wow. and actually symbolically, you could read that as. I just wonder whether no no face is sort of attached to her as some form of emotion, some form of wow. some form of shame or some form of Ooh. because because even I think Lynn says, did, did you let mm -hmm. did you let um, that's, oh my gosh that's really did you did you let no face in? I I did yeah. like don't let so the way that they're sitting together on the train seems very sort of literally the thing that's that one cannot 
get rid of. I don't want to say you know depression Ooh, or anxiety. That, that's awesome, Chris. I never <laughs> it's, thought it's like of the black that. dog or whatever. Yeah, but just yeah. something. That, and you know what? When, when we when we after with that tea sequence, mm-hmm. when when they all leave, it's okay. No face. You might as well just stay with me. Like no face doesn't partake partake in the second bit of the journey, the return journey. So I was just thinking that, and it only just comes from that image on the train and the framing of it. Yes. Front on where they're sitting like this, and it's just this, you know human and spirit but it just seemed that it was a looming i don't know something that was hanging over her because the the character no face appears when she does i don't know it just seemed there seemed to be a connection there i certainly i agree there's some sort of but also maybe not again again i think yeah yeah. yeah, i think in classic it's like about two-thirds of that works and then one-third of it doesn't because that's that tends to be how I try. Let's focus on the two-thirds yeah, 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 that work, yeah. Alex. But like, what, what works is absolutely like when, when, when No Face is cued in towards the beginning before she lets him in, I, I'm, I'm gendering him because it seems it's, to be yeah, really yeah, gendered. Yeah. But yeah, there's no necessary reason why it's him, but uh, we'll go with that. Um, yeah, he, she sort of appears and disappears very quickly in small moments. And it's often when she's feeling awful, when she's feeling yes. scared, or when she's yeah. feeling... Yeah. She can't get in, her. can't yeah. get that And then suddenly yeah. he'll appear behind yeah. her or things like that. Wow. I'm not quite sure what, how that works in terms of the bathhouse sequence, mm-hmm. because she almost then... He isn't manifesting her concerns or anxieties. In a way, she he's doing mm. what she's proving herself to be the heroine of the story right. by the way she reacts to No Face. Because mm. everyone else just thinks the only way to deal with No Face is to feed it more yeah. or, or and to take its gold. Well, and again, if and, you want to yeah. go with this, we could say yeah. that this is her, you know, id, um, you know, being sure. expressed, um, you know, childish desire for, I don't know, um, recognition, mm. um, achievement, food. I mean, it doesn't totally work because... Well, she doesn't seem to have that desire yeah, for recognition really or anything that. like yeah. that, does mm-hmm. she? Maybe you know? it's her shadow side. No, that's true. Or, yeah, yeah, There's yeah, something yeah. around kind of no face as well, a sort of, I don't know, and, in, a, in a film all about identities uh, and about twins yeah. and about, I don't know. And I will throw in what sort of works is the one thing I'm really oh, struck now by in that, final, yeah. in that final <laughs> bit in the cottage is that she says, call me granny, doesn't she? Right. I don't yeah. know, does she, does she, actually, that's a good point. That's what she says in the English dub. What does she say in the Japanese? I'm pretty sure it's something like the Obachan. I'm pretty sure, but I don't want to Call me granny. Like, yeah. So now it's a grandma. Does no face say that, or is no, that no, 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 no? The the good witch says oh, that, but but it yeah, chimes yeah. to me with that. The good line. witch. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. We got two witches going on. As I say, we get hour and a Wizard of Oz. Yeah, yeah. one and then fifty minutes of Wizard of Oz. Yes, the good witch Glinda says, you know, call me call me Granny, doesn't he? And. And I'm just reminding of the line she says to him about, don't you have a family, don't you have? Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then she, he chooses, I'm going to stay here. I'm going to stay here with Granny. So she's offloaded her yes. dark side yeah. onto Granny, or into Granny's house, yeah. and, and everything's taken care of. Yeah, and, wow. and, and Mo Face doesn't need to be this kind of consuming monster yeah. anymore, this greedy, demanding I mean, thing. He can, you could see a child, I mean, you know, sometimes children do seem like greedy, demanding monsters. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure, you know, none that you know, yeah. but uh, so maybe <laughs> This is this, isn't, um, this episode is not directed at my nephews. So <laughs> uh, carry on. No, no, but I don't know. There, there just seems to be something. Again, it really just comes from that provocative image of, of a shadowy figure yeah. over a, a young girl trying yeah. to find I her think way through. It's it's there, isn't it? I don't think it's it's wow. inescapable. I think wow. you're right. Yeah, yeah. that's cool. Yeah. But there are also great shadows anyway. I mean, I love that train sequence. That is hallucinatorily yeah. beautiful. Um, you know, it, it is so dreamlike. And um, and and it doesn't it doesn't really make sense 
but it that's how dreams are and yeah, that man. moment when you when they look out at these train stations and you see the the shadow of the man and holding the, and, the, and then the little girl next to him and you have a feeling of of other worlds uh, that mm-hmm. you know are rather nice a little bit if we want to go back to our narnia thing think about the woods between the worlds yep. in um, uh, Magician, Magician's yeah. Nephew. You know, maybe there are other worlds out there. You know, maybe we could go back to this, this um, the bathhouse and, and go in a different direction and find other places. I mean, I should I should suggest that to Miyazaki in case he's well, that, looking for work. I think, <laughs> in a way, that's because I think the bathhouse almost mm-hmm. is the wood between yeah. the worlds as well, right? Because yes. it's oh. all these gods and creatures yeah. from all these worlds. Right. of fa- yeah. This world of oh fantasy is coming yes. into the, and then leaving again at the end and of it. coming and right? going, yeah. Mm-hmm. And would, would you know, world has water too, major. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, 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 yeah all the wow. pool. Oh. Yeah. Raw. Wow. wow. Yeah, absolutely. We are running out of out of time. Is there anything wow. we need to very quickly say about the animation? Because we haven't spoken a no, lot about no, it. Uh, no, we're fine. <laughs> no, I, it could have been live action. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That animation lends nothing to this story. Yeah, 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 no. yeah, yeah. Um, I was I was interested. <laughs> don't. We'll cut that out. <laughs> um, no, I suppose there were moments where I there are a couple of shots that stood out it was often when characters were were running through Mm -hmm. fields uh, and you Mm. get these quite um i don't know this bombardment of of foliage and it it looked like it was digitally composed in the way that some of the space yeah Yeah. uh, and same again with that sort of point of view Mm -hmm. quasi point of view shot potentially at the very very end of the film um obviously there's loads of stuff written about miyazaki's relationship to digital technology versus sound animation, so we don't need to kind of rehearse that there. But um, yeah, I, I think the disgust and the, the the disgusting elements of the film, as I said earlier, lend themselves really well to um, to animation. And actually watching this film, I, was, I, I thought I'd sort of forgotten that obviously all animation is silent because cells don't make a noise and unless you're my laptop computers don't make <laughs> crazy noises but the sound design in the movie I was really struck by this time which kind of made me think about the, the animation thinking about how silent the film would have been produced in terms of the sound effects and even I think it's the little frog in the jacket that's sort oh, of right. making the footsteps on the <gasps> yes, pitter, patter, pitter, yeah, yeah, before, yeah. before mm-hmm. that um, creature meets no face right. gets the, the gold and then is mm-hmm. ultimately swallowed There's the, I thought the sound design in the movie was incredible and obviously yeah. you know, there's lots of stuff in animation and and sounds are different, wow. kind of hyper-realist sound registers, um, going back to divisions between Disney and, and Warner Brothers, different sound wow. design styles, cacophonic versus sort of symphonic, different ways of using sound. So I was really struck just by the sound design in the in the film this time. Um, maybe it's because we had it on a big screen and had sure, it loud. Sure. Oh, yeah. nice. But there we yes. go. Well yeah, yeah. Wonderful. The, the only thing I finally yeah. had for... for, for, for the, the animated status of it that I was thinking about this time is there's lots of made about the fact that she's human, that she's, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. this human character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yet there are quite a lot of characters that in another fantasy, like there are a lot of characters that could be humans. There is certainly, we have um, the two main, I, I, the, the two main, well, who do we have? We have Haku yeah, and, and, and who's who? Lin. Lin, Lin mm-hmm. yes. Who yeah. both... Mm-hmm. Look humanoid enough. She's actually a leech, apparently. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. A slug or something. Right, okay, yeah, yeah. And then we have like the kind of you know the minions in the bathhouse, although very caricatured and exaggerated and large heads and large faces. Still, in another, depending on the stylization, could also be humans in a different animated movie. So it just made me think: if this was, you know, if not a stupid question to ask, if this was live action, if it was live action, it would be a completely different movie. But if you were to watch a live action version, it's that kind of liminal idea 
of creatures looking like humans mm. but not being humans mm. and her being a human but it not always being clear what the distinction between yeah. those I mean, are. If she could yeah. fall in love with a river spirit. Exactly, yeah. right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. He also turns into a dragon at night, yeah, it would right. seem. You know, um, uh, that isn't there and that's a really, it's back to what you say on the podcast quite a lot of Chris about kind of, you know, <laughs> a drawing is always, a, is always one step removed from what it is, right? It's yeah. always a, 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 a representation yeah, of... Yeah, always rhetorical. It's always, always rhetorical. That's it. It's always rhetorical. Yeah. Yeah. There's always, so there is a, rhetor a re rhetoric of humanness yes. being oh. engaged with by the way that these are claimed as human, these are wow. claimed as not yeah. human, these yeah. are claimed through the design of the if various If you want things. me to talk about anthropomorphism again, I... I, I don't. Know, I, uh, I absolutely don't no, no. want to do I, that. I would say that I suppose through its fantasy, through the film's register of fantasy, it, it, it allows... I don't want to use the word meditation on humanity because I don't mean that because, you know, you talk about contemporary culture, you know, everybody, everybody has different proximities to humanity and, you know, to be human is not afforded to everybody, mm -hmm. let's say. Some lives are just being, you know argued to simply matter, let alone have humanity. So uh, the, the notion of humanity is is interesting, obviously, especially at the, at the moment, post-humanism and so forth, um, Anthropocene, trying to destabilize wow. in relation to human as the center or the core or the, the top of the hierarchy, whatever it is. Um, but what the film, I think you're absolutely right, Alex, is sort of stages different interrogations of what it means to be human. We have figures who are more obviously human-like. We have mm. we have the Miyazaki-esque figure mm -hmm. with the really long tentacles right. or arms, arms or figures yeah. <laughs> or, or that allows um, him to, to be creative but also to protect and, and to do lots of things and so forth. Then you have, um, I suppose, bodies that look human but have magical powers so you baba certainly looks like everybody's right. granny but then also you know sort of i don't know they're, they're, what I, about that baby well we, the baby oh yeah. we could do a whole other hour about the baby we'll do a photo yeah, yeah, on that yeah, yeah, babies yeah, yeah. and anime. um no i think i think there's there's definitely kind of registers of humanity but or what it means to be human but also what it means to be um a child because actually the baby is the one that sort of says is the voice of reason, at the, or becomes a, a sort of quasi-voice of reason yeah. at the end. So I think, yeah, I think you're right, that through the yeah. register of fantasy, there's definitely an interrogation through animations, obviously, sure. long-standing relationships, anthropomorphism, different ways of combining nature and, and, and culture and, and human and the non-human, wow. kind of putting them together and creating a, 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 a relationship between characters that is uh, one of a degree of difference rather than of kind, that they're all sort of... Together. Absolutely. It's, it's getting late and we better journey back through the portholes or we're going to be Not for very long, though. We're going to be stuck in the bathhouse forever. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Susan, you're, you're, I know you've got your book, uh, Miyazaki World, which mm -hmm. is out, uh, all available uh, bookshops. And if you're I passing the Barbican, it's in the you know, my, bookshop. My, my laptop bookshops. tells me it's also an audible, is it? It's uh, as an audio book, is it? Oh, yes, it is. Oh, yes. Wow, terrific. So I have a recent, I don't know why I'm plugging audible, but I have a recent audible subscription, so I, I, that will be Please my commute do. down yes. to, to, yeah. to, to Portsmouth. Yeah. Wonderful. Uh, and you can, it's been translated into Arabic, Japanese, wow. Vietnamese, French, Spanish. Actually, it's been translated into 11 languages, but uh, you know, it's kind of wow. gratifying. Please yeah. do check it out. Um, and are there any other projects you're working on right now you can talk about? Or, uh, I think I can because I have yeah. a contract. Okay, Excellent. Cool. Yes, I know that feeling. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm writing a book on um, uh, comparing Disney Studios with uh, Ghibli Studios Excellent. and really particular uh, approaches to the world. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, but with all kinds of, you know, kind of comparisons and you know, interesting ideas about you, you mentioned about animation was, was very interesting, but also endings, uh, 
female characters yeah. in a year or so. Okay, yeah. cool. <laughs> right, well, Susan, thank you so much for yeah. having on the podcast. I had a great it's been, time. Yeah, yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure. And I now like Spirited Away. It's happened, it's clicked. It's a good one. It's a, probably going in the top three, I think, uh, oh, of, yeah. of, of Ghibli. So, uh, it's a really popular one with students. We've had a couple of students write blog posts for the website on... on um, one on food in Spirited mm-hmm. Away, right. and I, which I, I directed them to, to your work, and and so yeah, it's often one that students gravitate towards, oh, and maybe absolutely. goes back to what we we're saying at the start that is it is it kind of Ghibli and Miyazaki's mm-hmm. flagship movie because it seems to be. Yeah, I really think it is. Of. It's the one that people seem to know when yeah. I tell them what I do. They say, oh, Miyazaki, he did that um, yeah. spirit or something. Yeah. Yeah. And presumably then you'll teach it next year again. Yes. There yes. you go. <laughs> one more time. Wonderful. Yeah. Time is uh, illusory, isn't it? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and on that note, uh, that's been us for another episode. Uh, you can, of course, find us at fantasy-animation.org where you can download the archive of uh, podcasts and blogs. There's plenty on there on all things Ghibli, so do check that out. Uh, we're on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at fananimresearch. That's F. F-A-N-A-N-I-M research and you can use the same handle F-A-N-A-N-I-M research at gmail.com to suggest future footnote episodes or just get in contact and and give us some feedback Um, otherwise that's been us for an episode and we'll see you next time bye